So you take your middle schooler or teenager to the pediatrician's office for an appointment and the doctor, or maybe even your kid, asks you to leave the room for a private conversation. Whoa. You may not have seen that one coming. I'm Roland Wilkerson with Novant Health, Healthy Headlines, and today we're talking with doctors Kimberly LeMaster, Pamela Johnson, and Shuman Bomick to talk about how patient privacy works at the pediatrician's office and what parents need to know. The most surprising moment for me, what happens when parents want the doctor to test their child for one thing or another without that child's knowledge? Stick around afterward for a quick explanation of what healthcare North Carolina law allows minors to receive without their parents' knowledge or permission. So, you know, the hope is that there has been a relationship established, a relationship of trust between the parent and the provider that is in play. And I have no problem asking parents if they would step out for just a few minutes to give the patient an opportunity to raise any questions or um, concerns that they have very quickly. Um, There are also, that is also an opportunity for me to briefly ask a few questions. And then I have the parent return to the room. And so what happens when a parent says, well, this is my child, and I'm paying for this appointment. Um, I, I don't want to leave. And as a provider, uh, my approach is I under, I, you know, to verify that, yes, that is their child, and I do understand. But oftentimes, their child may tell me things that perhaps they have a difficult time saying to others. And that we both have the patient's best interest in hand and if I can't address it then we may be missing something very important. I have a a little example to kind of share is that there are times where parents bring their kids in for something that they have a hunch about or they want to make sure that they have they want to hear some good advice which a lot of times what the parents are already saying, they just need to hear it with somebody with a stethoscope around their neck. And it all comes from the relationship between everyone involved. So I always ask, why do your parents not know about this? Or why have you not discussed this with them as well? Because when secrets lead to more secrets, I want to get tested for this, or I'm worried about that, or there's something going on and I don't want parents to know, or the exact opposite, parents call and I want my child tested for this, or tested for that, and I don't want them to know, just collect some urine and we'll figure it out later. This to me is inherently deceptive, and it's very important that we make sure that everybody involved has a uh, idea of why we're doing this in the first place. Because the deception should be taken out of it. It's all about health, being healthy, and concerns, and be, things being addressed. Because if we do find something that's a problem, then what do we do? We want to make sure that everybody on board knows what the next step is to work this up and manage it appropriately. So that's really interesting. So you have cases where parents, in effect, want you to sneak a a test by their child and everybody's shaking their heads yes here. Um, What what do you do? It sounds like, Dr. Bomick, you're not comfortable with that. I mean, you definitely say, no, I'm not going to do that. Or how, how how do you all handle that? Yes, so I would like to reiterate exactly what Dr. Bomick has said. 
um, this happens quite often where parents call or now send a MyChart message, so-and-so is coming in to see you. I want you to do a drug screen, which is a classic example, on their urine, unbeknownst to them. I am now to the point, because it has happened so frequently in the past couple of years, if it's either face-to-face or calling, I tell them that I am not comfortable with that. I now have gotten to the point where I do know most of my families, and I, for the most part, will not do that anymore. If I'm going to do a drug screen, I want everybody to know that I am doing a drug screen. If um, you want me to do a pregnancy test on her, then I want her to know that you want me to do a pregnancy test on her. So I have kind of changed that in the past couple of years because I would do it on on the slide before, but it just it, it's so secretive and, and so deceptive messy. on messy on both parts and complicated that you know if anything is heard from this podcast is that request from parents asking the physician to do tests or ask questions or intervene um, without the teenage who is a young adult anyway knowing should really stop. And I would have to say that the other side of that coin of teenagers not wanting parents to under, to know um, also needs to be addressed. And I think the distrust and the inability to communicate between the patient and parents is just part of a bigger overall problem. Gotcha. And so what, what might be one of the more common scenarios you run into where the appointment is going as planned and then you either hear something or see something that you want to have a private conversation with the patient. What, what are one of the more common scenarios that, that come up when, when, when that discussion happens? Well, one thing that we haven't mentioned yet that we do, um, I feel like we as a group and Novant in general does a good job with is screening for mental health issues. Um, everybody over a certain age has a couple of screening forms that they fill out. One about anxiety and one about depression. Another one is uh, is about just overall cardiac issues and, and for uh, concerns about any kind of heart problems. Those are the three main ones that we have our parents and patients fill out before we even step in the room. Um, and so if there are, so there are some screening tests that show us that, okay, these are issues that need to be addressed during this visit even if it does not come up organically throughout the conversation and the history that we're taking and the exam, we need to address this because it is, you can't push this thing down. You can't kick this can down the road and deal with it later. The ramifications can be really tough. The older you get, the more it festers or the more it can lead into bigger problems. And so I think the issue that I see the most that requires our um, antennas to be up a little bit more about what we're seeing is just mental health in general because that's where a lot of these things stem from. Drug use, uh, sexual encounters, uh, things along the lines of, uh, of uh, violence and, and cyberbullying, all this stuff. There's a very large proportion of mental health that goes along with this, meaning that are we able to talk about our feelings freely? Are we able to discuss what's going on? 
Um, we talked about young ladies previously, but for men, me being a male pediatrician, I think I have a little bit of a, a common thread to talk about this buzzword that we hear a lot about, which is toxic masculinity these days, which is all about being able to keep your feelings inside and not express them, which turns into big problems down the road. And so this is something that when you are having a discussion with a teenage young man, you can tell a lot of times based on how they interact whether or not they're really engaged in talking about how they feel or talking about themselves or if they're more shut down. And teenage boys, for the most part, it's like pulling teeth to get them to talk about their feelings. But when they do, you have a really good... It, when they communicate with what's going on, that's where you can really make some headway and start realizing that this is something that we can actually make some good progress with. And so that's, like Dr. Johnson had mentioned earlier, we're talking about a bigger issue here, the family structure and the family dynamic that can really make some progress for us. And I totally agree that the mental health issue is probably the dominant one. But say during an exam, you as you're mm -hmm. listening to a patient and you hear you know, some things in the lungs, then you really do want to address smoking and you want to address vaping because we, as we know, neither one of those things are innocent and vaping is becoming more of a, a dangerous health issue than anything at all. But oftentimes the teens don't equate um, smoking with vaping and so I've had to sort of change my questions of do you smoke, do you vape, and are you doing weed? I have to ask those three specific things because they don't, they don't lump them all together. For many teens, they are so very different. And do you feel like your, your, uh, the teenagers you care for, that they're straight with you? Um, because teenagers have a pretty good reputation for not always uh, telling the truth. So as Dr. Johnson said, um, we've been in practice for a long time, so we have definitely have an established relationship with our families. And I, I feel as though my relationship with my teenagers, who I've most likely been seeing them since they were born, feel very open and comfortable with me. Um, I, I pride myself in being, um, my room is a safe haven. There is no judgment in this room. What you've done, I've probably tried, or and said there is no judgment in this room. You can talk to me about anything. So, and I can tell when they're lying. Uh, but I would say for the most part, kids are very open and honest with me these days and, and let me know where they are sexually, where they are emotionally, where they are with vaping, where they are with weed, um, where they are with stronger recreational drugs. That is definitely on the decline, what I see, thank goodness. But um, uh, I do feel like because of the established relationship that I've had probably since birth, that they are, they are open and honest with me. I think at 11, they are really starting to um, understand what's going on and have some wherewithal about themselves. And so 11 is sort of my cutoff. Do you think it's fair for a teenager to expect that their parents will let them have private time with their doctors if they want it? I would hope so. I would hope, yes. I is that is that, so. an, is that very often an issue or is it just occasional that, that a parent pushes back on that and says, no, I want to be there the whole time? I will tell you my experience. If a, if a patient would like to have a, the visit without the parent, 
then what I what I have them do is just ask the parent um, respectfully if they would step out. And part of that is just trying to get that respectful communication started because you know some parents may not see their child as maturing and I think if they then get that respectful request then the conversations and the observations start of oh okay well, you know that was pretty mature of them let me step out and then things continue in a positive manner. And I've really never had pushback. And I, I just would like to add in that I absolutely love it when the teenagers come back by themselves. One, they, they are proud of themselves. You can just see them exuding self-esteem that, no, I, want, I told my parents to stay out there and I'm coming back, I can do this by myself. And I'm like, okay, I love that. Um, when I when the parents do come back and then I do feel like there needs to be a discussion uh, and I feel a little bit of pushback from the parent, I just pull, I, and this rarely happens, but I've pulled the parent out and I just say, you know, I feel like I really need some time Will you value me enough and let me have this time. And that has worked lately. So I love it when they come back by themselves. If the mom wants to be or the dad wants to be in there, um, I preface it as, that's fine, but I'm going to ask all of these questions, and if they're going to be truthful, then you, you know, this is what you're going to hear, because I'm not going to change what I'm going to ask while you're in here. And then if they absolutely refuse to leave, when we ask them to leave, then I, I pull them aside and, and, and ask them why. And so what do you do when you hear, when, when one of your teenage patients talks about feelings or activities that make you worry about their well-being. Um, as physicians, are, do you, when do you tell the parents and when do ethics perhaps prohibit you from doing that? At that point, where I feel like a situation is detrimental to that patient, then I become the facilitator. As I explain to the patient, your parent must know about this. I can be in, I can tell them for you, I can help you communicate it to them. But bottom line is, they have to know about this. And I will tell you two situations. Uh, two young girls who, two separate families, separate years, but they had um, very distinguishable markings on their arms. Both of them gave sort of could possibly be the reason why, but if you if if you know how it looks as a provider, you know that's not the truth, and so you have to call them on it. And they both admitted the truth. I also told both of them that this is a situation where your parent must be brought in. How would you like to handle it? I don't say I don't give them a choice of yes or no. I say how would you like to handle it? Would you like for me to? talk to them? Would you like to tell them? Would you, do you want to tell together? And his marks on the arm, are we talking about some kind of a substance? No, we're talking about self-mutilating cutting. Oh, cutting. Oh, okay. And, it, and both parents had no idea. Both, neither parent had an idea. Both children 
received the care that they needed, the attention that they needed, and now one of them is doing great things, the other one is continues to highly to be highly functioning. So they are doing wonderfully. But I always tell my families, you got to do the hard work in the beginning. If you find something that needs to be addressed, we got to do it. And I had an example yesterday of um, the teenager wanted to talk to me about depression, and she asked her parents to leave, which they did respectfully. And when she divulged some serious um, plans and thoughts, and I did exactly as Dr. Johnson is discussed said, you know, I said, so do you want me to go tell them what's going on or do you want me to bring them in and you tell them what's going on? And it was like a, a weight was lifted off of her shoulders that they were finally going to know what was happening. But it's not an option to me when a suicide plan, a self-harm like self-mutilation, cutting themselves, um, or, or suicidal thoughts. It's not, are you, or when will you, it's how do you want to go about letting them know. Right. Uh, I, 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 I agree. The, the ability for a young person to have the maturity to talk about these things is not um, a guarantee. These young people, and I mean not just for adults too. There's people who are two times, three times these children's age who still have no way to describe what they're going through, and so we can't just assume that they're just going to be able to get it together and, and tell them tell us exactly what's happening. But I will say that the best approach that I've come up with is making sure that. The space that we create is that it's a safe space with zero judgment, as Dr. Lamaster had mentioned before, that we're here to talk about whatever it is that we can to make sure you're as healthy as you can be. So you may not know this, but under North Carolina law, minors can receive treatment in the following areas without their parents' permission or knowledge. Those areas are sexually transmitted diseases, birth control or family planning, although that does not include abortion, substance abuse, and care related to mental health. Parents also don't have access to those portions of their child's medical records, but the services rendered may well show up in insurance and billing records. For other stories on parenting and related matters, Check out Novant Health Healthy Headlines, where you'll find hundreds of relevant health stories quoting trusted doctors and other care team members. And if you get the chance, please rate us, review us, and subscribe to this and all the Novant Health podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you choose to listen. Thanks again.